This is our 10th and last session on Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, not just you, all once conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, carrying out what is willed by the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So, Father, as we focus on wrath and what it means to be a child of wrath, grant us sobriety, seriousness, both for ourselves, our families, our churches, our neighbors, the nations. May this reality shake us, hold us, and color everything, especially the glory of our deliverance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I said this time we would focus on children of wrath. We didn't look last time at the connection between sons of disobedience and wrath. Let's look at it in Ephesians 5, 5, and 6. You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming, comes upon the sons of disobedience. So there's the connection between wrath of God, sons of disobedience, as we have sons of disobedience here, who by nature are children of wrath. We are first by nature self-exalting, and we hate to be told what to do. We want our way. That's the way it was in the Garden of Eden, in the first sin. That's the way it is with every human heart, over against God, over against others. We want our own way. We are children of disobedience as we meet the law of God, and thus, by nature, fit for, bent towards, worthy of, wrath. So much so that we can be called a child of wrath, or that wrath is our nature-producing parent. What is the nature of this wrath, and how does Paul think about salvation from it? Several texts can tell us how Paul thinks about wrath. The first one here from Romans is about the present outpouring of wrath in history. That's a misprint there. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, is being revealed. Now, you'll see how in just a second. From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. So they are sons of disobedience. And if there is resistance to his will, 
there is a giving them up to their own impurity, and that's called wrath. Or verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Or, once more, verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, or literally didn't approve of having the knowledge of God in their minds, have God in their knowledge. They didn't approve of it. They didn't want it. God gave them up. So, God gave up. God gave up. God gave up are three illustrations of what it means for the present manifestation of the wrath of God. So, sometimes people will talk about the debauchery of a certain culture in in the world these days, and they'll say, do you think that that's worthy of God's wrath? And one answer is to say, actually, that is God's wrath. But it's also coming in the future. Romans 2, do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness So he's not just handing people over. He's giving people time and he's showing great patience and great forbearance and great kindness, causing the sun to rise. I'm looking out right my window right now on the beautiful sun shining on Minneapolis. And what is this city? Sin city. There's there's fullness of sin cropping up in the city. And he's causing the sun to shine on it, makes the sun rise on the good and the evil. That is meant to lead them to repentance. So it's not just negative things that come into the world that lead to repentance, which they are, according to Luke 13, 1 to 5, but also kindness. Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So when it comes, it will be completely righteous. It is being stored up by all of our impenitence. And there's going to be a day of fullness of wrath, which is shown a few verses later in its intensity. For those who are self-seeking, do not obey the truth, so sons of disobedience, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So wrath is not a mild thing. It is a furious thing. We are not just to think about God's legal righteousness, but about the fury of his outrage at the way people have exalted themselves over against all that is good and true and beautiful in God. And what does all that have to do with our salvation? So many people want to define Christianity as something other than deliverance from wrath, and so they mute this glorious all-important reality. Tragic. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's what we're being saved from. And here it is again in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. We wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And perhaps sweetest of all, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, I'll tell you, these words are precious if the doctor tells you you've got cancer, which is what he told me years ago 
And this verse came like a straight bolt out of heaven of good news. God has not destined, and I said you, John Piper, (laughs) which is what you can say if you're a Christian, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, not for wrath, not for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we wake or sleep, live or die, we will live with him. Oh, to hear the words, cancer is not wrath, John, you are my child, that is sweet. So, let me go back and close out with this. You were, were, (laughs) were, not are, you were, what? Dead in trespasses and sins. You were in step with world, world, and with devil. And, can I fit it all in? You were by nature. If I could draw two arrows out there, I'll draw them down here. By nature, disobedient. And by nature, fit for wrath. But God. That's the way the next verse starts. Oh, the glory. So let me end like this. We have spent 10 sessions. Can you believe it? 10 sessions on what we were like before we were made alive in Christ Jesus, according to verse 4. Why? Why would Paul say so many intense, deep, horrible things about our nature? And here's one reason. Many of us came to Christ early in life, and we don't even remember. My mother told me that I was saved when I was six by praying for Jesus to forgive me for my sins and to be my Savior and accept me as his child when I was six. I don't even remember that. So how in the world is John Piper supposed to ever appreciate the massive miracle that got me saved? And the answer is, know this text. Those people who think they have to have a great, horrible testimony about how bad they remember they were before they were saved in order to have meaningful experience of God's glorious deliverance, they don't understand it. Because if you think that your memory of how bad you were tells the truth of the whole story, it doesn't. This, this tells the truth. We need to know this. We need to tremble at this. We need to weep over this. Because this is true about every human being, whether they remember it or not. So let this have a great, great effect on you. So that when we come now to, but God, you will leap for joy.